Please be seated. Well, I'm so glad to see all of you here. I want to say thank you so much. I'm just so proud of our parish uh, for the massive donation of canned goods that we are so delighted to send with you and hope that um, maybe uh, you have a forklift or something to, uh, to take them out of your car once you get there. But we're just so glad uh, to just, I would say this is a small token, and I hope the first of, of many times uh, that we can really um, uh, help, help the uh, food, food bank and the food pantry at St. Mary's. We want to learn more about that tonight and find out more ways that we can partner and serve. Uh, it is one of my great hopes uh, that th- this year we really uh, are working to um, hear from you about the sorts of ministries that, uh, that you are really excited about serving in. Uh, because uh, as we've said before, part of the Holy Spirit working in us is the Holy Spirit working through us. And so you may be called to prison ministry, or you may be called to do Sunday school, or you may be called to serve at the food pantry at St. Mary's, but service is an incredible, incredibly important part. I have always admired uh, the ministry of St. Mary's and the ministry of Beth Flat, and was so excited when those two things came together. So um, I look forward to hearing more about that, and we're just so glad that you are here. This, um, this series is called Tough Questions for Christianity. And each week, our speakers, uh, I'm really excited about our speakers. They're going to just take on a, a tough question that I thought that they would be particularly suited for. Uh, there's lots of other tough questions that won't get answered in this uh, Lenten series. But um, next week, we'll have the bishop with us, Bishop John Howard. And I have asked him to answer the question, can um, Christians fight and love at the same time. Bishop Howard is a guy who has a little experience of, uh, with uh, having difficult conversations, and I'm very interested to hear uh, what he has to say about that. But tonight, the question is, can doctrine and social justice be friends? In my experience, and I don't know about your experience, but in my experience, uh, very often, a church leans towards a more... Um, doctrinal or uh, personal piety, or action and social justice. And I don't mind telling you, I sort of come from the first school, and, uh, and I am really wanting to learn more and more about how to um, get involved myself and also to motivate our church and uh, to be involved in those sorts of things. So I'm learning, but we are learning from you tonight, and I hope that you will... Uh, in, uh, enlighten us. Thank you so much. Let me pray for you, and I'll hand you the mic. Yeah, good. Um, thank you, Lord, for our friend Beth Schoflat, and for all of the um, things that you have called her to, and all of the wonderful work that you are doing, uh, not just through her, but through the many who are serving around her. And so, Lord, we pray now, as she comes to speak to us, that you would uh, anoint her, and that you would help us to answer this important question. And uh, that you would motivate us, Lord, uh, and speak to us about where you're calling us to serve. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay.
How's that? Works? On? Well, it's really a privilege to be here with you and a joy, and it's always a little terrifying, uh, but that's good. If, if, if I weren't a little nervous, then that would mean that there's too much of me and not enough of him. Um, gosh, what a topic. Um, it, and first, I want to thank you for all your support of our urban ministry and your support of me too, personally, too. I know many of you, and I... I uh, I'm grateful for your love and, and your care and all that you're doing. Um, so this, this question about social justice um, versus doctrine, uh, the question itself kind of irritates me, but, um, <laughs> but it's a good question, right? And so, and both of those words can come packed with, depending on who we are and what our experience is, right? Each of those can just be full of either positive or negative uh, connotations. So I just want to do a little survey. And there is no right answer. I just want to know what your experience is. So when you hear the word, here's what we'll do. If, if, uh, if you think, yeah, right on, that's it, two thumbs up. And then you go, well, kind of, yeah, I, I, that, I can go with that. And you can be not sure, or you can just say, psh, bad idea. How about that? So whatever, th you know, thumbs up and down, keep it simple. So when you hear the word social justice, what does that feel like in your body? We get some downs, I get some ups, I get some high ups in the back. This is great, thank you for your honesty. Because things do for, for whatever our context and, and what we've learned and imagined and heard, right? And, uh, and so when we t hear the word doctrine, um, what does that do to you on a body level? Kind of mixed feelings, up, down. Yeah, so see, they're kind of charged words, aren't they? And so it's good to say that. And I'm not going to solve any of that. I'm just going to tell you uh, what I've come to understand uh, where I struggle and have been challenged and, and kind of invite you into that place of struggling with things. Christian formation is about struggle. Um, there's joy, we're Easter people, but, but really if we're going to live at all deeply, um, it's about struggle. Now, I'll, I'll tell you my answer to those words, because that's only fair, right? Um, social justice, um, I don't know, one, one thumb up maybe? I don't have strong feelings about it. I think it's a good idea. I probably don't put up two thumbs because I feel inadequate at it, whatever it is. So, but, so I'll give it one. Good idea. What do, you, what, do you, what do you do? Right? And then I hear the word doctrine and I go, oh, it, 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 it turns me off. Um, it, but that's just a chart. It's not a bad thing. In fact, it's a good thing. So, all right, here's one for social justice, though. There's a prayer for social justice in our prayer book. So it can't be all bad, right? And I thought I would read the prayer because it's going to tell us a little bit about what we think social justice is as Episcopalians. So here's the prayer. Let us pray. Grant, O God, that your holy and life-giving spirit may so move every human heart, and especially the hearts of the people of this land, that barriers which divide us may crumble Suspicions disappear and hatred cease, that our divisions being healed, we may live in justice and peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So going on that definition, thumbs up, thumbs down, that's pretty comfortable, isn't it? 
that's something we long for. And, uh, and I think it tells us something about what social justice is about, breaking down barriers, right? Healing division. Hatred, right? Replacing hatred with love. And what is hatred but fear anyway, right? So it's about growing in faith and trusting God. Um, confession time. Uh, Joe asked me to do this a while ago, and so it's all, things always seem like a good idea when they're on, later on the calendar, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's, holy cow, what am I going to say? What am I going to talk about? And I thought, went back and forth, do I need a big PowerPoint? I, that's just not who I am. Um, and, uh, and then I was telling Joe his life, and I had about five pages of notes, my security, right? Vanished. The only thing left from my pile of what I was bringing here was the prayer book. So isn't that funny? Um, so anyway, but I was going to, here's what I was, uh, some things I was going to tell you about. Um, I wanted to mention a, a saint, a theologian, an early church father, St. Irenaeus of Lyons, because um, his theology has been very important in my formation. Why? Well, for one, that was the first theology paper I wrote in seminary when I went back to school and I was terrified. But I loved Irenaeus' writings. Um, we have a quote, quote from him, and, and it, it, we can argue about, you know how quotes change over time, but it's great anyway. It says, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. And so at St. Mary's and really in urban ministry, just my call is how can, how can we help each other be fully alive and glorify God? How can we help each other be who we were meant to be, right? I could try to be a great Joyce, but I would probably only be like mediocre. So that's her job. And we, we could try to be Mother Teresa, <laughs> right? But that's her job. So we're each called to be ourselves. And, and so that informs my theology and some of those theology terms that, that grew on me. Uh, Irenaeus would talk about the economy of God and God's economy. That God, it's God, the Father, and the Son, one God in unity. And that it's, it's, uh, God is uncontainable, right? But contains everything. I like the idea of nothing being left out because I've felt left out at times in life. And a lot of the people, the people we're called to love and serve, know what it is to be on the outside, right? So, boy, don't we want a God that holds everything and everyone? Um, so that, that kind of informs uh, my theology a little bit. Um, but it's, it's very compatible, you know, because that sounds, it might sound a little social justice-y, right? It's not a new thing. It, it started way before Irenaeus, right? Uh, but anyway, uh, but Irenaeus, his doctrine um, is rooted in scripture. And he was involved in sort of deciding what's in and what's out. That we needed Old Testament scripture and these New Testament books. And that there's unity in that. And um, so his, um, he's like, if we're going to have stability, we need to be rooted and grounded in Holy Scripture, the Word of God, and rooted and grounded in Logos, the Word, Jesus, the one who was before creation. 
the one who lives and is with us today. And I have to say, when I look at you and, and, and experience you in ministry, not just the ministries I'm very involved in, other ministries, I see Jesus. And it renews my faith over and over and over again. This is real. He is alive. And so, so that's sort of my, I guess, my theology. Does that make some sense? And um, a little bit of my, my life experience. Because um, I think I've always been one that roots for the underdog, right? I, I just, I don't know why I'm always drawn to the underdog. I have rescue dogs. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, so that's just part of the, the way that I guess that I've been wired. Um, and so I tend to notice things that seem not right. And my first or second career was in uh, higher education fundraising development, uh, mostly in um, academic medicine. And I worked, um, before I came back to Jacksonville, I worked at the University of California, Irvine. And that, you know Orange County, right, all the shows, right, the crazy housewives and all of that. Uh, it is kind of a crazy place. There's normal people there too, but it's kind of, it's very compact, so you get a greater sense of crazy per square mile. <laughs> but, and I have to tell you the fun, my office, my office when I worked for the Irvine Medical Center, which was located in Orange, right at the edge of Anaheim, from my window, I could see the Crystal Cathedral, the Matterhorn at Disneyland, and Anaheim Stadium. Isn't that kind of cool? <laughs> Life is good. Life is good. But, but we were the safety net hospital for the county. Tons of fine hospitals in Orange County. We did more than 70% of all indigent care. That's kind of wacky when you have you know, double-digit hospitals in the county, right? And so people would show up, and you know the law, and I think it's a good one, an emergency room cannot turn away anyone. But people would come to our emergency room from a great distance within the county. And they would have been given directions and bus fare by the ER that would prefer not to have a high percentage of indigent care, some of which were religiously affiliated. Is that a little disturbing? Isn't it just a little bit disturbing? And we all, we rationalize everything, and I'm not, I'm not here to debate anything, right? But just to talk about the things that trouble us, because I know it troubles you. And we can tell ourselves stuff, and I raised money for hospitals, we can say, well, we can't, there's only so much we can give away, we have to stay viable, and that's all true. But it, hurt, it wounds us when somebody is rejected, or not cared for, or overlooked, or not deemed as important as someone of means, not only are they wounded, we are all wounded. We're all wounded. We have so much fear in our society because we're all afraid it could be us, right? It could. The right circumstances, and we could be there. One of my favorite uh, experiences in outdoor church was going through a... Um, God, I didn't think I'd have anything to say. Just God, go like that when it... And, but I was in a park, and I hadn't, we didn't have outdoor worship yet. I was just walking around talking to people, feeling a little crazy, right? Who's this woman? And um, here's, here's how social justice can work for the church. 
how it's profound evangelism. Because, you know, you don't have to be churchy to do social justice, right? It's just a value system. I happen to think it's rooted and grounded in Jesus. But you can kind of try to do it without that part, right? So I have a dear friend I'd known for a long time, was not churched at all, not interested in church. But she heard I was just out on the street in the parks talking to people. And she goes, now that interesting to me. I'm coming with you. And so we were in um, a park, and uh, there was a, we were just saying hello to people, offering them water. It was very hot. And there was a man, um, and I forgive me if you've heard this story before, but it's profound. He, he was um, sitting in a wheelchair by a park bench, eating, eating some food, and he was drinking out of a paper bag. So um, we, we don't get too much in a person's face. So from a good little bit of a dis- distance, hey, how are you? Would you like some water? And he said, well, I'm drinking a beer. And uh, so I said, well, yeah, but it's hot. You could probably use water too. And he said, yeah. So we went over and gave him some water and just said, introduced ourselves, said, said hello. And my friend uh, said to him, uh, you know, we were just talking, and she was asking him how he came to be in Jacksonville. Was he from Jacksonville or what? And he's like, no. Um, he said, actually, about four years ago, I was living in a small town in Georgia, and I lived in a little ranch house uh, with my beautiful wife and daughter. I had a good job. And he said, one day, um, my daughter and wife, they went to the grocery store. And while they were en route, they were hit by a drunk driver and killed. And he he said, I just, I could never get over it. I tried to work and I couldn't. I couldn't get over it. And I love that story because, you know, we just go there when we see certain images and we want to tell ourselves a certain story. But it's not the whole story, is it? Each one is unique. And uh, so, and this friend who's unchurched uh, comes periodically to outdoor church. And uh, so I see... The ministries we do um, as a way in for people to experience the love of Christ. You know, they may not, um, they may be like me and go, when they hear too much doctrine. I don't know anybody that doesn't like love. I don't know anybody that doesn't know it when they see it. And so that's sort of part of the story. So I did that. I don't have my notes, but it's all in here. Um, so we have that piece of um, when I was in healthcare. Um, I think of also we hear the word justice, right? We think of the legal system and um, all that. And I think I think uh, I've rubbed elbows with some legally people, um, and you know. But I think we all know our justice system is not just. We have the best one in the world, but it is far from perfect, far from perfect. And we have a lot of great public servants who work tirelessly to try to correct that, but I think it's part of the broken world and the human, human condition. And so I had an experience um, with a family member who uh, got into some trouble, some serious trouble. Um, uh, DUI, hit-and-run accident with injury leaving the scene. Two previous DUIs. 
Not, not real, not good, bad luck. <laughs> not really, right? But it, it was tough. And, um, and this, this is someone I am not, I really work hard to not enable people. And so there had been, I'd never even really been in a position to give money, but I, I didn't. There was something different this time. And uh, he was in Jacksonville. I was in Southern California. Do you know God got me a job at Mayo Clinic so I could come back, connect with this family member, and be closer to my dad? You know, it, it's not all about us. But uh, anyway, here I am uh, back here, and, and I'm happy to say this individual has found recovery uh, 16 years or so, but we walked through that legal thing. First of all, the first attorney was horrible, and it was not looking good, and the prosecutor was just champing at the bit for serious penitentiary time. Bound and determined, you know, you little no good, whatever, you're gonna pay. Um, so I was able to, to help because God gave me means. There was a brief period of time in my life where I made lots, made, made good, really good money. But, <laughs> but it wasn't about me, right? So we were able, um, and I, we were able to hire a really fancy, well-known attorney. If I said the name, you would know who that is. I'd say, please help. Because I knew this person wanted recovery, was in it, and I did not think he could survive prison, the outcome would be, who knows, you know, I don't have a lot of faith, so I'm, I'm already down the road, that is not going to be pretty. And so things worked out with a little, little jail time, work release, and, you know, it, it's, it's been a great story, but the whole time walking through that, I felt uncomfortable. I felt a little guilty, because there are thousands and thousands of people who don't have the connection or the cash to avoid federal prison, right? So in that sense, I felt like not just, I'd do it all again, trust me. But you know, it's a wacky system. It's like if you can, you know what I'm saying? So I hope these things trouble you. I don't have a solution. We're not going to debate what's right or wrong. Let's just say the world's full of stuff like that, isn't it? That we encounter. And so I think as Christians, we're called, we're rooted and grounded in logos. We're rooted and grounded in the word that tells us to care, to care for the stranger, to welcome the alien, to feed the hungry, to care for the sick. It doesn't say if they have insurance. It doesn't say anything but just do it. Feed these people. And, um, and that goes way, way back, right? And part of what I think Jesus, in, in, in our readings the past uh, several weeks, um, you know, his criticism is you've, you've lost your way, he says to people who love God and are religious. You've lost your way. We've got to recalibrate. He recalibrates by turning everything on its head. And it's amazing. Just amazing. Um, 
I'll tell you one other related to criminal justice. I've, I've had the privilege, right when I started uh, just being with people on the street, um, a friend of mine um, who's worked in a lot of mitigation, sentencing, and stuff like that, uh, asked me if I would visit with a young man who was in the jail. He was awaiting resentencing. He was one of those who, in our tough on crime, as a juvenile, was sentenced to life without parole. And the Supreme Court <laughs> said, you can't do that. The brain is forming, this person's forming. They're salvageable. You can't throw people away like this. And, uh, and so I had the privilege of visiting with this young man for almost two years. You know, and I remember sitting there with him. I hadn't done it, I don't know, it was maybe our second or third visit. And he just had this look on his face. And he's like, tell me again, why are you here? Why are you here? And I said, I, I think God wants me to be here. You are beloved. And I said, I don't know. I'm here to learn from you as much as you are going to hear anything from me, but I think I'm supposed to be here. And we remain in communication. He was resentenced. And, and this kid, I'll tell you what, he was, he did, uh, he, parents were crack addicts, turned him onto smoking pot when he was like about 10. Many nights he was thrown out of the house because there was too much drug dealing and prostitution going on, and there was no food for him to eat. Um, and so he got recruited by a career criminal. And then um, this wise career criminal decided to plan a bunch of armed robberies, a series of armed robberies. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to send you in with the gun because you're a kid and they won't do anything to you. I'll drive the vehicle. And so by the time I met this young man, well, we know what happened, right? By the time I met him, um, the, the career criminal had served three years and was out and free. You know, and, and here he was. He'll, he'll get out when he's in his 50s if he stays alive. So please pray for Asa. He's a really sweet, sweet spirit. But, you know, there's all that kind of stuff. So what does this mean? As Christians, we've got lots of work to do. And I mean that not in, we better get to work. I mean, it, we have opportunity. And we tend to, and I'll just share one of my, uh, this is a bias I have, because we tend to think, all right, we're going to get in there and save people. We're going to get in there and spread the word. And we are. But you know what happens when we engage, especially in these contexts where we feel uncomfortable and we don't have a clue what we're doing? We meet Jesus. We get touched. We get transformed in this process. It's mutual ministry. It's mutual ministry. And so we get to discover things when we're, you know, outside of our zone that we would never, ever otherwise discover. So I'll say a little bit. I'm supposed to stop in, like, when? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Anybody want to amend that? <laughs> but um, there's so much need in our world. And um, I'll tell you, when I, was going, when I was going through the ordination process and I'd sit with the Commission on Ministry and we'd talk about what I was called to do, this was 
not a speck in my mind. I had no experience like this whatsoever. That's the best, though, ultimately we find out. I'm just like, if somebody described the kinds of ministries I've been involved with, I'm like, that sounds interesting. Not this girl. Um, totally, totally. It, it, it is who I am. So you're not supposed to know anything. It's better to just be ignorant and trust God, right? And uh, so my prayer is always, you know, God, I got nothing. I got nothing for this situation. What do I know about being sentenced, thrown out in the street at night to fend for myself when I'm a kid or sentenced to life without parole? I, got, I know nothing. I came from privilege. But I do know what love is. And all we have to do is show up, suit up and show up and trust the Holy Spirit. Trust God. Um, I'll say a little bit. Joe would wanted me to say something about the ministries that we're engaged in now. So maybe I'll say a little bit about that and then and connect it with this idea of doctrine and social justice. And I, can they be friends? They're better than friends. They're family because they live in Christ. So forget that problem. It's not real, right? That's our head. They live in Christ. We could go home. <laughs> but um, so what are we doing in ministry now? Church Without Walls, you know, is uh, Easter Sunday will be our sixth anniversary of outdoor worship. Isn't that wild? We've been doing coffee fellowship at Clara White Mission every Wednesday morning. Uh, October will be seven years. We serve five to 600 cups of coffee, 25 pounds of sugar. Uh, we have morning prayer, a little Bible study. And it was a little, it was a little quiet today. People were sort of in and out. And here's, here's where I get fed because I'm like feeling like I got, I got stuff I got to do. I don't know what I'm going to talk about at Coos for one. I got to get out of here. And, uh, and I wasn't, I'm thinking, I'm, not, I'm just not feeling like doing the Bible study. Yeah, not a lot of people here today. Well, I looked over at the corner where we do Bible study outside on the patio. It was filled. They were just waiting. <laughs> Isn't that the coolest thing ever? And uh, so we, we had that. So, so that's just an example of something someone could be involved in. We always need support for that. It's a ministry of companionship. You show up, offer somebody a cup of coffee, um, and just be present and see what happens. People will talk sometimes. Um, sometimes they'll ask for prayer. Uh, it's just a simple space. And what happens... Um, it's the kind of thing you don't have to commit to every Wednesday, but if you want to try it, like say, well, maybe I'll do that once a month, even once a quarter. If you come with consistency, what strikes me, because I was afraid of street people, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. What are they going to, you know, what are they going to think of me? You know, and what, what's that all about? They're not scary, really. And trust, if you show up consistently, the trust forms so fast, it's humbling and crazy and wonderful. Because they know you've got skin in the game, right? 
What's different about what we do, there's other ministries that come and do important stuff there. They fix bikes, they cut hair, they provide food, clothes, yada, yada, good, nice things, right? They're not really relational. What can be a little off-putting about what we do, but you're going to love it if you, if you feel it all, if you try it. It's, it's relational. We do offer coffee. Who wants to do any kind of church thing without a cup of coffee? And they don't serve it at the mission, and I thought that was just wrong. So that my social justice accomplishment is coffee at Claire White on Wednesday morning. So, I mean, you're there with people. And um, I don't know, it's just a beautiful thing. Strange things happen. Miracles happen. One of our volunteers was there. And do you know a woman came in and recognized her? She had been in high school with her. Isn't that something? So what happens is the barriers cease because there aren't any anymore. Another volunteer at Church Without Walls had seen, uh, he, was, he was there and he saw this guy with sunglasses and a cap on walk by. And he, he says, Richard, is that you? And the guy stopped and looked at him. And this was a guy that had sold him a watch like 20 years earlier. And so there's strange connections, wonderful connections. So... So that's a, a way to be involved. But now I'm going to sort of turn to St. Mary's as the hub for urban ministry and talk about what's happening and what we dream of happening. And you may have some dreams, too, which I want to hear about. But we're viewing that campus as a hub. It's a resource. We store church without walls stuff there instead of in my garage and house. Thank you, Lord. Uh, but, it, but it is. And it's a, it's a resource. Um, for people interested in doing, trying urban ministry. We've been working hard, and a bunch of you were at our last work day, which was a miracle, by the way. How many of you guys, somebody here? I know there were, yeah, so some of you were there. We thought, this is, uh, one of our new board members said, well, let's have a work day on Labor Day. And I'm like, yeah, right. You know, there'll be four of us, and we'll, we'll work for a couple hours and go home. Well, 12 people RSVP'd. Wow. And I said, well, you know how people are. So we'll probably be eight of us. That'll be a nice work day. There were over 70 people, probably 80. Is that like, holy cow. So we're having another one at the end of March. And you're all invited. And we have inside and outside jobs, easy and hard jobs. Um, but it's a way to, we want this campus to be welcoming. And, um, and it's just been, you know, it's been neglected. Um, so that's happening. Um, those of you who've been there, and some of you, many of you have had more hours on that campus than I have. <laughs> but there, there's, you know, we have our beautiful sanctuary. We have our parish hall. And then we have these other buildings, um, in, including two, well, three houses. So we've got, the, we've got an apartment above where the pantry office is and the administrative office is, and then we've got the house ministry resource building, housing upstairs, you know, potentially. And then we have the old clothing closet, which is being, it used to be the rectory. And uh, uh, our new board chair, Peter Deering, grew up in that house in the 40s and 50s. Isn't that something? And so he and his wife have made the lead gift to restore that. And so it's going to be restored to its uh, former, former glory, I guess, uh, with some, some meeting and convening space downstairs and an apartment upstairs. So 
what's up with the living space. I'll tell you what's up. Um, half of my call, and I think it's why I'm called there, is to do ministry with a strong outreach component, and the other half is to support people and to care for people who want to do ministry. And so um, this, this summer, we're going to have two seminarians in residence for four to six weeks. And they'll, be, they'll get support and exposure to urban ministry, to working with the poor. Well, don't you want a priest who's done that? Wouldn't that be cool? Um, so, so we'll do that. Uh, we also uh, we have uh, two big rooms in the ministry resource building upstairs that'll be more like bunks. So if you want to have a small retreat or a youth group wants to have a mission week or a weekend in the city, they'll have a place to stay and to do that. Uh, we will have uh, the, the living space above in the old rectory. Um, I imagine um, one of my dreams, well, I have lots of ideas, so don't take any of them too seriously unless you're really struck by them and want to fund it. But uh, <laughs> they, uh, the idea of having, a, and this could be clergy or lay, or clergy track, or just lay uh, minister, but to have people commit to spending one or two years in residence. They would live on our campus. Uh, we would have, they would participate in the prayer life, lead morning prayer, evening prayer, depending on their, their calendar. Uh, they would have been or w- will be trained in, in a ministry of presence, so they'll offer a pastoral presence for our ministries on that campus, the pantry space. Uh, they'll support Clara White. And then I have relationships at the other missions and, and uh, um, shelters. So, so there's lots of potential to do that kind of ministry. And I don't, what is, you know, it's kind of, I'll tell you something about myself. I hate talking about myself, but I don't know how else to tell you about what I feel called to, so forgive me. Um, But um, a lot of people, I've had a lot of psychological testing, so it's okay. Signed off on last time. (laughs) Most people have a high-level need of structure. I'm like this weirdo that's in about 2% of the population does not need a lot of structure. I need an overarching structure I need to have an idea of God's economy and doctrine grounded in Jesus. But beyond that, I'm kind of, let's see what the Holy Spirit's going to do. So we're going to start off and we're going to try X. And so what I'm describing to you, let's just say it's very flexible and fluid because you know what's going to shape it? You. (laughs) The people who come. The people who say, I want to engage here. It was not, it was on the list of to-do, but not something within my experience to have a thriving, wonderful garden at St. Mary's that could produce vegetables to feed our people and share with our neighbors. But one of your people said, I could do that. I'm going to do that. And I said, all right. And uh, back there, Art Schultz. And so he has planted a garden and there's lots of space if you want a garden to uh, see art about that. Uh, but we're so, it's an exciting time because, because of the people who are coming and want to be engaged in work. And I have to tell you, 
this kind of ministry is hard. I, I tell people that work with me, I said, it feels like this. That's what it feels like. And I said, in reality, it's more like this. You get the picture? And what reminds me that it's not this is you showing up. I am so encouraged by that. Because then I say, he really is real. He really is alive. He's doing something amazing here. And so um, I encourage you to just come, even just come hang out, walk around, and dream. Um, there's lots and lots of cool things that we can do together. The most important thing is learning how to love one another, right? And share that love with others. Um, this is messy. Can I just tell you it's messy? Um, right, right, Francis? <laughs> but it's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, but it's messy. There's a quote that was on my sheet of paper I didn't bring. And it was from uh, Rachel Naomi Roman, uh, who tra trains um, emergency room physicians, and she's written some cool spiritual books, Jewish uh, in background. But she knows a lot about what it means to walk alongside and to be with uh, people. And so she tries, and you know, in the ER and the trauma ward, they're not like connecting with you. It's like, all right, what do we need to glue back on? What do we, you know? So she tries to get them to see the whole person. Because the whole person is sacred and perfect, even if they're broken parts. But she said something, I'm going to paraphrase, and I think she was paraphrasing Mother Teresa. Um, give me a second, if let's see if I can call it up in my brain. Maybe I can't. We'll see. It's something to do about serving and serving in the sacred, sacredness of life. And that you cannot serve something that you're not willing to touch. Isn't that something? And so true deep service is being willing to risk getting close to somebody who may look very different, who may smell very different, who may have a very different life experience. But what happens is we discover how alike we are. Um, there was, a, and I know some of you have heard this story, but it just, and it's not even mine, I stole it. But it happened at Church Without Walls about three, three or four years ago. And there was a, a woman there who comes regularly <clears throat> from St. Mark's. And uh, people were just sort of gathering, and there was a man there who'd not been there before. And he went and sat on this little, that low wall. And she just went over and sat next to him. And I guess they exchanged a, a few words. And, and in the meanwhile, St. Mark's youth group showed up. They come about quarterly and bring lunch and are with us. So the youth had showed up. But anyway, this woman's talking to this man, and this is all before the service. And he, uh, he turned to her and he said, Lady, why in the world are you even talking to me? Which you could take a lot of different ways, right? 
And you know what she did? She went with the honest answer. I don't know. <laughs> but I guess maybe God put us here together. And so that seemed to satisfy him. And then um, she was asking him how he was doing. And he said, I'm just having the hardest time. I'm really struggling with anger. Really struggling. Well, she knew a little boy in the youth group who was about, I don't know, 10. We'll call him Billy. And she calls him over, Billy, Billy, come over here a minute. So Billy comes over and meets this gentleman. And, and she looks at him and she says, well, before she called him over, I'm telling the story wrong. When he talked about his anger, he said, it's awful. It's awful. It's like it hurts all the way through my whole body. She calls Billy over and she says, Billy, you've, you've struggled with anger, haven't you? And he said, yes, ma'am. And she said, what's that like? He said, it's awful. It's like it hurts all the way through my whole body. Isn't that amazing? So as different as we think we are, we're, we're not so different. And um, I'll close with a story, another st stolen story, and then if you have any questions. Does that work for you, Joe? Um, and this is from a, a book written by a chaplain who works with uh, psychiatric patients mostly on the street in Seattle. And... Uh, uh, he was, you know, a church called him and knew, knew the kind of work he did. A church called him because they were having a problem with a guy that had wandered in. And they're talking to him, and he's like, well, what's the problem? And he said, well, the sexton went into the sanctuary, and there was this guy, and he had put on all these vestments, and he was mumbling some prayers, and the sexton said, excuse, excuse me, what are you doing? It, 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 who are you? And he said, well, I'm the Pope. I belong here, Right? I belong here. And so the sexton sort of talked him out of the vestments and told him what, what time the worship was that he could come back, right? And the guy sort of ambled out, out of the sanctuary. And uh, uh, some time passed, and somebody was in the... Uh, in the um, now I can't think of the word. What do you call it where the priest lives? You know what I mean. Rectory, Rectory thank you. I was going to say sacristy. That's not it. But... Um, so he was laying in a bed, taking a nap in the rectory. And so this person said, excuse me, sir, I don't think you belong here. And he said, well, sure I do. I'm the Pope. <laughs> and they said, ah. you know, so they got him out of the bed or whatever. And he was, went, by the time they called Craig, he's sitting in, uh, in a chair, like to the entrance of the church. And he said, sure, I'll come talk to him. And so as he arrived... And this is a person with lots of experience, just to put it in context. And he's praying because he's like, this has got to be right, and I don't know what to do or what to say. But I'm here, Lord. Right? So he goes up to the guy and uh, says hello and introduces himself. And the fellow, you know what he says, right? I'm the Pope. And he said, oh, gee. He says, I'm not Catholic, so I don't really know anything about popes. So let's see, you know, and, and he said, let me think for a minute. And he says to the man, he says, I'll tell you what. Um, he says, I'm a human being and you're a human being. Can we work with that? And he said, yeah. And they went and had some breakfast and a cup of coffee and then he helped direct the man to some services. 
Isn't that awesome? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that, I don't know. I just Stuff like that is so real. And um, you don't have to go talk to psychotic people on the street to meet Jesus. But I encourage you to just take the next step, whatever it is, to try something new. And just see what God has for you in that. Because I promise you, not one bit of your effort would be wasted. When I first started walking on the streets, I did feel foolish. I would pray in the morning, Lord, where should I go today? And try to get a sense of which street or which park or whatever. And the funniest thing, you know, sometimes I even had a plan. The plan never works, never happens, right? It's like the thing that tricks you into getting there. And um, I never knew. I, I mean, one day I went to Memorial Park because this guy wanted to say morning prayer. And I got there, and uh, he wasn't there. And I figured he wasn't going to be there. But uh, I sat there for a while, and then there's some women at a, like a picnic table. And they invited me into their little group. That's where I was supposed to be. And they talked about their lives and their stories. So you never know what's... What's going to happen? Um, when I was early, I'll just end with this last story because it just touches me. I just want to tell you how, how completely not prepared or trained am I for any of this, which is probably why it works, right? God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I think if he's calling you out of your comfort zone, that is the Holy Spirit. It's always the Holy Spirit. And so I'm, I'm at Soulsbacher Center one day, and I, I would do groups and things, and sometimes people would come, and sometimes they wouldn't, and I'd think I'm frittering away my life. <laughs> you know, maybe I should go get a real job. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, I'm just telling you the truth. It's more than you want to know, probably. But, um, and so one day, you know, I'm sitting on a bench and I'm about ready to throw in the, the towel for the day. And there was this one guy that I had met, I think, at Clara White or whatever. And I, and I was looking at some scripture and he came over and asked me to look something up. And so we talked about a piece of scripture. And I thought, okay, that was my mission for the day, you know. And, and off he goes. And, and I was feeling inadequate, unproductive, <laughs> a small return on the investment, and, uh, and I see him across the campus, and he turned on his heel and started walking straight back toward me with purpose. And I'm like, ooh, I wonder what's up, right? He gets up to me, and he said, I just want to tell you that what you're doing is really important. And God wanted me to turn around and tell you that. Of course, I start blubbering like a fool. So it is mutual ministry. And uh, I have been converted again and again, and I'm a work in progress. And, uh, but have, we have so much to hope for. So we live into the social justice side, right? Helping to break down barriers and to, to heal wounds, to, to encourage reconciliation. And we're grounded in doctrine, in Holy Scripture, in the Eucharist, and in the Logos, the living Christ. So that's all I got, Joe. <laughs>
So does, does anybody want to ask a question? There's nothing off base. I refuse the, I can refuse to answer, but. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's really aggravating. It's true. It's a great book. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you one. Oh, yes, sir. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I want to interject because I always forget to do this. The very practical list of what could I do right now? And uh, you may be inspired to do something else and I want to hear about that too. But um, our food pantry right now is Tuesday afternoons, 3.15 to 5.15. And we need to have, we'll train you to, to welcome people, um, to, to fulfill orders, to get food to the car. And we do that Thursday morning also, all the time. Um, the other things, um, I want to market St. Mary's as a new powerlifting program because we take in two to three to four tons of food every week now. And, um, and so we have people who volunteer and pick up food and drive and bring it to us um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So we need drive people who, who, who want to do that who are able to do that. And then also people on those same days, just uh, when the food gets weighed and we have to record it, how many pounds of this or that we got. And so that's another thing. And we want, once we get enough volunteers, we're going to do food pantry on Sunday afternoon as well, which I know is, would be a lot easier uh, for many people who work full time. But that's, those are some of the um, kind of right now things. And then on Tuesday evenings, we have a service right after pantry in our little parish hall. It's just a simple, sweet service and Eucharist and followed by a community meal. And so some of you have prepared food for that. Right now, it's we just sort of average about 20. Um, and so that's a space too. If you want to just come be with us, you don't even have to do anything. But if you want, I know we've got some cookers in here. I know because I love eating at Church of Our Savior. So, <laughs> so that's a possibility too just to let you know.
Thanks, Joe. It's a downtown, it's just a downtown mission. Um, they house about, uh, they house veterans, about 30 veterans. But it's the place in Jacksonville seven days a week where you can get breakfast. We can stand in line and get breakfast. Um, and Jacksonville is, un here's another social justice thing, not very friendly to people gathering on the street. So when I felt called to this ministry, I figured I got to, I can't worry about getting arrested and I'll see, I'm, I'm a wuss. So, but Clara White, do you know they don't serve coffee with breakfast? And that was wrong. So, so, so we started that ministry of presence ser serving coffee, and it was based on a ministry I had visited in Atlanta. Um, and it's a really, really sweet space, um, for sure. Yeah. And so St. Mary's is located in Springfield, mm -hmm. North Lawrence North Street. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. For yeah, thanks. Uh, a couple of things. There is, a, Father Trent in the back has a notebook. If you would like to sign up for the work day on March 31st, or you can call Francis Schultz. Francis Schultz. And Francis is right back here, and she will be happy. Uh, I can tell you, she said to tell you her uh, email address and phone number. Uh, but it's just FD. Are you? Great to 
to see you. Sounds like things are.